Hello and welcome to Dead Ideas in Teaching and Learning, a higher education podcast from the Center for Teaching and Learning at Columbia. I'm Katherine Ross, the Center's Executive Director. Let's get started. I'm speaking today with two undergraduate Columbia University students who are serving as undergraduate teaching and learning consultants as part of our CTL's Students as Pedagogical Partners initiative. As a quick reminder for our listeners, in this podcast series, we are exploring dead ideas in teaching and learning. In other words, ideas that are widely believed, though not true, and that drive many systems and behaviors in connection to teaching, exercising what Diane Pike called the tyranny of dead ideas. So we are joined today by Emma Fromont and Victor Jandres Rivera. They will now each briefly introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Victor. I'm a sophomore in Columbia College, and I am studying ethnicity and race studies with a concentration in human rights. Hi, I'm Emma. I'm a senior majoring in film and media studies and minoring in sociology. I'm a French student and part of the Dolbier with Sciences Po, which means that I've previously been studying for two years in France. And in addition to that, I have a degree in physics and chemistry from the University of Aix-Marseille, which I followed by distance learning in parallel. I've just been learning in many different contexts and had some experience of remote learning even before the pandemic. Great. Thank you both. Let me set the stage a little bit for our listeners. We've been doing this podcast for, this is our fourth semester, and I've been hearing back from a lot of folks, particularly instructors at Columbia, and they often tell me how much the episodes that feature the students and the students' reflections on learning are some of the most powerful and and helpful for them in thinking about their own teaching. And obviously I couldn't agree more. So I thought today we would check in with our undergraduate student consultants for this sort of end of a two year pandemic journey that we are still on to some extent, just to see how they have experienced, learned and grown through all of the disruption the multiple transitions from remote to in-person to hybrid and back again, I think for a lot of instructors uh, have exposed dead ideas and, and has really given us an opportunity to rethink how we do things like teaching. And I thought it would be really valuable if we could get some of the student experience on how dead ideas might have surfaced for them in their learning. I will start with a question about the various course modalities that I just referenced. So as you are both thinking about these last couple years, I would love to hear how these experiences, these different modalities and different situations and contexts for learning have shaped you as a learner. You know, are there some ideas or beliefs that you had that have changed um, over this time, particularly beliefs about learning? Any dead ideas that came up for you? Any sort of aha moments about your learning? What works for you? 
It's a big question. You can pick any part of it and jump in wherever you want. Emma, why don't you start us off here? Shifting from an in-person environment to where I was with my peers, I had a big school schedule to an environment where it was only me and my computer that required to be much more focused on my learning and what I really wanted to take away from the classes. And it was very difficult. And I think I've been lucky to have encouraging professors, but it also made me realize how much I liked having personal projects over just trying to learn by her things without any aim. Because the pandemic prevented the professors from organizing in-person exams, where it was only about showing that you learned everything, projects were instead encouraged. And this new form of assessments, which was more about pursuing my interest and using the class as a support for my own research and final paper, really changed the way I approached my education. It, forced, it fostered an independent approach to learning. And with the professors who really embraced those first new possibilities, I felt like trust were, was more prominent. And now that we are back in person, I really hope that this flexibility and trust, which was maybe the only good side of online classes, won't be lost. I also realized that lectures did not have to be long, tiring, and boring. I learned so much more with asynchronous material in advance and shorter in-class moments which were uh, more focused on questions and discussions. And some professors are trying to keep that, know that we are back in person. And recorded lectures are also such a precious resource uh, because we can watch them at our own pace and that's much more efficient, at least to me, to actually learn. Right. So those are all really good points and things we've heard from previous students that we interviewed, particularly the, the trust piece has been really highlighted a lot, I think. Victor, would you like to add to this conversation? Yeah, so something that I took away from what Emma was talking about was kind of going back and looking at education in another light, mostly through the pandemic, I started thinking about how I would learn as a person instead of simply looking at myself, getting into school and then getting these great grades and then that's another step to grad school because as I was thinking more about my position in the classroom here at Columbia I feel like I experienced a lot of that imposter syndrome that a lot of students at Ivy League schools talk about kind of feeling like a small fish in a big pond. I started thinking more about what I wanted to get out of Columbia also and with online learning I started thinking about how I was feeling very overwhelmed and frustrated at education simply because I would take a quiz take a test, get to the exam, feel like I was cramming and then regurgitating this information and then going to the next class and then feeling like I didn't remember anything. And then I remember once a student was looking at my notes and they're like, this is all very meticulous. Like, you must be like so smart, like you must be so prepared. But then I thought to myself, I don't really understand any of this, but I feel like I'm still gonna get a good grade. And now looking at my education, now that we're in person, I started to realize that I'm enjoying learning more, not only because it's in person, but because I feel like this semester I've really gotten to know a lot more of my teachers. I've gotten more involved into classes that have smaller seminars, classes in which I can actually collaborate with other students. 
classes in which I actually enjoy the material because you can tell the professors are very passionate in the way they present it. That's not really possible with all of your classes, but I feel like it's something we can implement more in the classroom. This idea of students working together and not just focused on just regurgitating information onto tests and on assignments and then going to the next step. It's made Columbia a lot more enjoyable because I look at it more as an experience in which I can learn and grow instead of looking at it as the stepping stone to either where I want to be after Columbia career-wise or just educationally if I want to go to another school. And I feel like that's something that came out of online learning because when we had that transition from completely online to hybrid to completely in person, it made me look at myself as a student in my position. And I'm actually kind of grateful for some of the things that have come out of it, just because I feel like we've really gotten to experience the the lectures online and Zoom and then looking at having all these books and resources online and then getting to go to libraries and doing it in person and studying different ways. And because of that, I feel like we have this great opportunity to look at ourselves as individuals and see like what helps us. And I think that's been really nice. Emma, I see you nodding. Did you want to add a little bit? It does touch on what you talked about, how the projects helped you learn more deeply and better than just exams, quizzes, the more traditional methods, and also the sense of community, learning with other students. Yes, I absolutely agree. And at similar experiences as Victor, having to work on projects that you are truly interested in instead of this feeling that I also sometimes had of studying, doing the quiz and then not remembering anything was really important and it was a great opportunity and it was a difficult time and I think it's important to state it but I'm glad that we got to rethink uh, some of these data ideas and some of these things that we thought to be done that way and had to be part of the school experience and now it's no longer the case. And I think it gave you a kind of new lens on being on campus and being with professors and being with other students, right? It allowed you to enter that space in a different way than you might have had we not all had to have been online for that extended period of time. So that's really interesting. I know that one of the most commonly mentioned takeaways from the online and hybrid experiences during the pandemic is the importance of community for learning and that creating community is something that both students can do, but also instructors can support students in that. And instructors can also create community for themselves and students in their classes. In this process, I think of realizing that community is so important, particularly when you're fully online. It's even more important, right, to really try to do that very intentionally. But as we were engaging in that work, I think issues around access and equity also became much more visible. And I think a lot of instructors really stretched themselves to think about issues of access and issues of equity. Can you give us any examples of strategies that instructors have used online, hybrid, or in person, right, that have really supported your learning? I'd like to hear about that. Yes. So for me, something that I noticed early on when school shifted online, some professors began providing readings and resources and text online themselves, just on the syllabi or through the announcements on coursework. And then also I had a lot of teachers 
that had the Zoom lectures, but they also had them recorded and then placed on Canvas. Because of that, I started to realize that a lot of times I was learning more and I retained a lot more information if I was able to watch the lecture, not during class time, but after the fact. A lot of students like to make jokes like, oh, I watch it on like two times speed and all of that. And I feel like at first I was like, okay, so you just don't want to spend the time in class and all of this stuff. But then I realized I lose focus very quickly. I have ADHD. I can very much just start spacing out. A lot of teachers talk slowly. They have this very monotone <laughs> voice and that's on purpose. I can see how they do that to be heard in class and so that students can understand. But for me, it's very distracting and it can cause me to space out. So when I did watch the lectures after the fact on two times speed, I actually retained a lot more information. I realized when we went in person, professors weren't doing that anymore. I thought, oh, they're trying to encourage attendance. I guess that's a good thing. The same thing with the online resources. They were telling us you can now go get the books at Book Culture or like these resources, you can print them out. That's because like, you retain information better when you write it down and when you are annotating on paper. And I feel like I just kind of took it as like, oh yeah, I've already always heard this. But I feel like now I kind of realized I don't learn better that way. And I always take the teacher's word for it. And I was like, why am I letting a professor tell me how I learn best when I realize that this is easier for me? It feels like I'm doing something out of tradition or doing something because this is the way it's always been. And because of that, I feel like at first I looked at online learning as something in which we weren't connected at all and it didn't even seem like school. But I think now I'm just look back and I'm like, some aspects aren't like how school was traditionally before, but that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. It can be really beneficial if a student realizes, I learned better watching this lecture after. I don't think they should be punished for that, simply for not wanting to attend class in person. If they feel like that's the way they learn best, they should be able to do that. I think a lot of times we're punished for wanting to stray away from traditional aspects of academia, but I think that COVID has allowed professors to modify their courses. And if students realize that those modifications are better, I think it's okay to stick with them. Yes. I mean, we are adults and we made the choice to pursue higher education. I totally agree. If our main focus is learning, then it should not be a big deal to accept that sometimes depending on the classes and on the students, recorded lecture might be better than attending one. Yeah, I think that's been um, a theme I've heard from other undergraduate students that I've talked with, that they found those recorded lectures very helpful, both for the first encounter with the material, because you can pause it, rewind it, listen to something again, right? It's tailored for you and your attention, whereas sitting in a class, it just keeps going and maybe you were still trying to process something that was said a few minutes ago, but you don't have that space like you have when you're controlling the pace of the recorded lectures. And also it's good, helpful for reviewing too, right? Having access to the lectures or the material in advance or asynchronously also allows to really have the class discussions focused on questions and on things that are really helping us learn. A lot of time, especially before the pandemics, the lectures I attended were, I will gain the same thing from reading a book because it was more about transmitting the material. And know that we've been through this pandemic and that we learned that it's actually possible for us to 
read the material and understand the class and then use the time with the professors and our peers to actually discuss this material and ask questions. And this, to me, it has also been so much more efficient. And I think it's something that we should keep now that we're in person. Yeah, I feel like for me, something I also realized was everyone was so frustrated. I feel like when the pandemic started in school and I feel like even the transition into hybridized learning, people would be frustrated at like going back onto online, going back to in-person. And I feel like no one's opinion on it was the exact same. At first it always just felt so disorienting, trying to see what am I doing now? But I feel like that disorientation and that frustration was beneficial in the sense that I think it opened up conversations on how learning needs to change, especially because as teachers started to realize that we didn't feel connected when stuff was on Zoom to students and to them. They modified courses. So, and not only that, even stuff like outside of the classroom, like one of my professors uh, realized that we were supposed to be in the, like this really small, intimate seminar environment. However, being on Zoom, there wasn't that much participation. It felt like we weren't really becoming attached to the material or each other. We were kind of just like strangers logging onto Zoom, participating and then logging off. So he started giving office hours outside of class, but those office hours weren't really spent just like discussing the class and then talking about like how you want to write your essay. You could make an appointment for that, but like these office hours were Saturday morning. At first, everyone was like, you're crazy for doing that. Who's going to come to these office hours on a Saturday morning outside, like under a tent on campus? But then once we started going, we realized they were actually really fun. We'd have conversations with each other and even with the professor. We'd talk about things related to the books and to what we were discussing in class, but it was more like our opinion, our take on it. We didn't really feel like we had to do like a close reading. Like it was us talking about discussion posts. It was just like our personalities coming out. And because of that, I felt like I really got to know the other students and I got to know the professor. So when I had the opportunity to take the class again this semester, a continuation of it, I did it. It was a very easy choice for me because I felt so connected. And because of that, I'd actually want to read the material more just so I could have that fun part on the weekend. And it sounds weird because it's like, wow, office hours is so fun. But I feel like the teacher was able to take problems he saw in the class and then modify it. And then we we're able to have something that we now enjoy out of it, something unconventional. These cute little office hours I like going to on Saturdays. So in this case, the instructor decided to build community by meeting with you in person outside. And, and then that kind of worked backwards into the online classes. So it created a better feel. Everyone felt like they knew each other and were more connected. Yeah, at this point, classes were already hybrid. But I feel like because of how the pandemic was working, everything always felt so volatile. And I think even though the class was in person at this point, um, he still understood that we didn't feel as connected just because there were so many restrictions on us being able to meet, commune, and have these like study groups in class. So because of that, I feel like it was really beneficial. It supplemented the class a lot and it gave it this new intimate feeling I wasn't really experiencing in any other of my classes, even ones that were so much smaller. So because of that, I feel like it was really beneficial to us, but also the teacher. I felt comfortable asking them for recommendations because it's like, this is the only teacher I feel like that's actually gotten to know me this much. It was great having that experience. So back to that theme of community again and being able to work with other people. Yeah. It's interesting because 
I know that some instructors use technology as a way to engage with students and have students engage with each other, as well as with the content of the courses. One of Diane Pike's original dead ideas was that technology is either going to save us in higher ed, and this was, of course, in 2010, when she said this, or it's going to doom us, right? Because this was right when MOOCs were starting to come out and everybody thought, oh, MOOCs are going to replace higher education. That's it. The business model's dead. They're going to be like newspapers, right? <laughs> They're only going to be MOOCs now for teaching and learning. So there was this sense that technology either is going to kill higher education or it's going to save it. And clearly, in the pandemic, it did save us. Thank goodness we had it. But I was wondering if you have any examples of a way that an instructor used technology that really, really helped you learn. And maybe it was even new to you, a new experience of using technology in a creative way or in a fun kind of way that supported your learning. And you would hope that even in an in-person class, maybe you could still use that. Yes, in one of my sociology online class last spring, we used a website called Perusal. Perusal, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, Perusal, yeah. Yeah, it allows us to comment on the readings and read each other comments. And moreover, the reading quantity was manageable, and that allowed us to really go in depth and understand the text. And this asynchronous work was very efficient and allowed me to make sure that a cool make the most of the shortened lecture time. This professor will read our comments in advance and explain we had found difficult, for example. So the class was tailored on these comments that we had done previously. I found the use of this platform very efficient to make the most of the readings and really be able to understand them in depth and work on them. Because sometimes in some classes, I will read hundreds of pages and not really remember them. Whereas when you have the tools to actually work on them, you have to comment on parts and maybe read each other's comments. I felt more engaged with the, with the reading. In fact, it almost sounds like that kind of engagement that it allows you to do is more like the ways that experts read texts. Because when an expert reads a text, they're immediately making associations, engaging you know, mentally, cognitively with what's in there and thinking, oh, it's like this, or I've, it's similar to this other author, or this is a theme we've seen before. And so using that platform seems to have engaged you in a deeper way than the superficial understanding that many students have of reading, which is you read the words on the page and you just keep reading the words on the page till you've read all the pages, right? And sometimes... Nothing sticks from that. Yes, and especially the fact that the professor made sure to read a bit of a comments and to adapt the class on that. Right. So you were helping shape the conversation that occurred in class then. Yeah. It's almost like a flipped model in some ways. So the students are really doing the work outside of class around the content, but also your questions are then going to drive what's happening in the class. Yeah. I think the way that tech has helped me the most in the classroom has been through the use of Zoom, but teachers encouraging students to meet outside of class with Zoom. 
for like projects, assignments, things like that, smaller tasks, like office hours, because I feel like I really do enjoy when it's in person. But sometimes if you're only supposed to go to office hours for something really quick, like one of those like 15 minute appointment type things, or if you're supposed to go even to the writing center here at Columbia, or if you're supposed to meet with a group for 30 minutes for a project, it's very difficult to find a time now because we're all so busy and doing things. It's like, okay, I need to be at the philosophy building for this writing center meeting, but then I have to be in Lewiston for this other meeting right after, but then I need to go back to McBain right after. And I feel like it's really disorienting, but it also puts a lot of stress on us. For example, the other week I was looking for an appointment for the writing center and there were just none that worked. I was looking for like online ones, but all the Zoom ones are already taken because it wouldn't be possible for me to make the meetings and go like back and forth the way I would need to. And because of that, I feel like I'm losing out on some opportunities when before, when it was on Zoom, it's like, I'm at my desk meeting, next meeting right after, next meeting right after, which seems horrible. It seems like you're just going through meetings on Zoom all day, but it's nice having class in person, maybe grabbing lunch with friends in person, and then you can have those few meetings. I feel like this idea that Pike was presenting of like, it can save us or doom us all. I feel like is this really, really rough like dichotomy in which we have to choose, but I feel like we can marry all those aspects together. Technology is there to help us. It's the same thing we've been discussing with social media, like, oh, social media is so toxic. It's ruining all of us, but at the same time, it connects all of us and then kind of extends to Zoom also. I can't meet with certain people if it's not online. So do I just not meet them because someone tells me our relationships have to be meaningless if it's for this 15 minute Zoom? I feel like we can still have a lot of collaboration and we can have a lot of meaningful discussions. And the fact that it's on Zoom doesn't necessarily make it any worse. Sometimes it just makes it easier. And I feel like that can be better than just missing out on the opportunity at all. Thank you for that, Victor. That's a really nice insight. And I think many of us who've come back to campus are struggling in similar ways because now I have meetings in person sometimes and then meetings that follow right after that are on Zoom. And I can't get back to my office fast enough to get into the Zoom meeting on time because there's no travel time built in. And so I think it is a dilemma that has come out of all this hybrid work we've been doing. But I like how you delineated like in-person is really good for these things, but maybe we don't just ditch Zoom totally. We keep it for other purposes where it allows us to do things that we can't do if we have to do them all in person. I totally agree with you, Victor, especially in the writing center. It is so much more practical to meet online and share a screen and show what we wrote and work at the same time online than meeting in person. And this is a really good example of what works best by Zoom. Yes. So no technology is totally perfect for everything or totally bad for everything, right? You have to find the right uses where you get the best out of it. All right. Well, let me finish up here with a big question. If you could reinvent higher education after these two years of all these different experiences, what would you wish for? I know number one is that you could have more of your appointments on Zoom, but what teaching and learning changes would you keep? You've mentioned a couple like the recorded lectures. Maybe there's a couple others you could um, share with us. And are there any dead ideas that you hope we can leave behind for good? 
Yeah, one thing that came out of this whole conversation with school being very alienating or kind of holding on to this idea that in-person is the only way to have these like humanizing and like meaningful conversations between us. I feel like was this aspect that Pike mentioned, like the grading. That one was very controversial to me because going to Columbia, a lot of us just come here to get good grades, get a good GPA, get a good like LSAT or MCAT score. And a lot of times, like it seems like validation is completely rooted in this idea of grades and numbers. But I think something with Zoom, I realized was that a lot of times it just felt like you were getting numbers, like that was your only interaction. And now I'm kind of realizing that there are ways to do school. There are ways to approach teaching and learning that don't involve grades. So I have one professor that um, does like check marks, check plus, like check minuses, has like a bunch of like comments and like meaningful edits and insights they apply to like the assignment that they're grading, but it's not tied to like a specific number that goes into our grade. You have this progression in which you know how you're doing so that it benefits you on the graded assignments because then you can go back and be like, this is what I need to change. But you don't have this constant anxiety over whether this is gonna take my grade. Oh, now I need to get this so that my GPA is that. Because it's focusing on the learning and focusing on helping you instead of having that anxiety kind of cloud your experience in the class. I feel like it's really helped me. It's it's a controversial one, I feel like, because it's kind of like, what's the point of school if you don't have grades? But it's like, maybe the point of school should be the learning part. So I think, I think that's something that came out of this conversation and working with the other consultants. Yeah, I feel like I'm still trying to grapple with it. So it's difficult to articulate that. Yeah, the whole notion of grading and what purpose it serves in higher ed. And maybe that's a really good one to be revisiting, and which many instructors are, because we did a podcast interview last year with Jesse Stommel about ungrading. And, and he unpacked a lot of the things you're saying, right? And it goes back to Diane Pike's initial dead idea that grades motivate learning, which we know isn't entirely true. Grades motivate getting grades typically, right? So I'm glad to hear you, your experience in that way. That's a um, very powerful example. Emma, what would you change? It's funny because when I heard your question, I also immediately thought about assignments and grades. Which interesting, I guess very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a stressful part of our education. <laughs> I will definitely focus on smaller but regular assignments and various types of assignments. And if there must be a grading system, I will make sure that it is a very clear and explicit one so that we as students feel like we know the rules of the game. To me, being clear on expectations and grading scales is a way to demonstrate consideration and also establish this trust we've been talking about when I know what to expect of what I do. And having final essays or projects prompted very early in the semester is also a strategy that goes in that sense. It, it has given me plenty of time to think and organize myself, eventually to seek feedback. And whereas having prompts only two weeks in advance is mostly stressful and leads, leads to less engagement with the assignments, also in my experience. And to me, that idea will be that having the student in person in front of us is always better. That's what we've been discussing. It really depends on the students and on the classes. And I think there are no magical teaching recipe. We all have very various experiences, even though there are some points where we agree or had similar experiences. Wow, really some good thoughts there. I hope 
a lot of people listen to this podcast so they can hear what students are thinking and that students are thinking about these things. What is the value of being in person versus being in a hybrid or online space? And what purposes do these different modalities serve? And why are we insisting that there's just this one modality that everyone should be doing all the time as the answer to every learner need? Very interesting. Thank you both so much. Um, Thank you for being here and thank you for helping us wrap up our spring 2022 season with your insights and being so willing to share your experiences and your thoughts. I wish you both a lot of success with the rest of your semester. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yes, thank you so much. It was actually a great conversation. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please visit our website where you can find any resources mentioned in the episode ctl.columbia.edu slash podcast. Please like us, rate us, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Dead Ideas in Teaching and Learning is a product of Columbia University Center for Teaching and Learning and is produced by Stephanie Ogden, Laura Nicholas, and John Hanford. Our theme music is In the Lab by Immersive Music.